My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. All right. Hello, everyone out there. Welcome, welcome. This is The Art of Attraction with Dominique Drew. Thank you for joining me today. I am uh, live on Demon Seed Radio and also on YouTube. If you search me as Dominique Drew, you can find me on YouTube. And um, also on Facebook Live for the last few episodes. I've been trying something a little new, adding some video to things. So we'll, uh, we'll see if that spices it up. So please feel free to uh, follow my Facebook page to check that out. It's uh, Domini Drew Coaching on Facebook. And uh, in general, you can find me at DominiDrew.com. I'm a men's relationship coach. I help single men attract life partners through personal and relationship coaching. And generally, um, you know, I do that by helping men discover what it is that's holding them back. Okay, which of course is not typical of men at all. It, uh, in particular, women do it just as much. But, um, but, you know, I've always been drawn to, to working with men and, uh, and I really enjoy working with single men in particular. So I really solve the problem from the inside out. Um, when, you know, you work with me, you won't get sort of tips and tricks. Although sometimes, you know, that's just a matter of tweaking a few things and then your whole relationship with women changes. Um, and that's certainly available. But often I find that the, you know, the issue lies a lot deeper. Okay. Um, one of the things I do, I have an eight-week training program called The Art of Attraction, which um, really takes um, men from this place of, you know, being, uh, you know, low self-esteem or, um, you know, not successful with women or afraid to talk to women or, you know, they keep attracting the same negative relationship pattern over and over and over again, right? They keep engaging in the same relationship over and over again. And so, you know, all of this sort of lies in the subconscious. and in this eight-week course, I, I tend to get pretty remarkable results. And the reason for that is that a lot of times when, you know, uh, a guy, let's come say, comes to a therapist and says, I'm having trouble you know, talking to women, you know, a lot of dating coaches out there, they'll teach you how to talk to women, okay? They'll teach you, they'll tell you things to say or, you know, ways to sort of interpret what she's saying and things like that. And, and well, again, this can be sort of helpful on a practical level. It doesn't actually solve it problem because the problem isn't actually speaking with women right the problem in that situation is confidence because if you walk up to a woman and you're confident the words will naturally come okay and that person who is struggling you know with with uh speaking to women it's not that they don't they aren't capable of doing it they could definitely walk up to a woman and say something the problem is they feel that they can't so it's something on the inside as opposed to something sort of more um, objective, all right? And so the reason why I can get the results that I do is I don't treat the symptoms, I treat the problem. So I go straight to the core of what it is that's happening and, um, and really work it from that perspective. And so that's been very powerful. Um, and I've, you know, it's a process that I've used on myself for about 15 years and I am completely unrecognizable from when I began. Um, I'm really a poster child for its success and now I, I teach the work and it's, um, it's extremely powerful and transformative. So thank you again for joining me. Um, if you would like to call in, you're welcome to do so. I can be reached at 708-793-7769. And uh, again, that's 708-793-7769. Or you can check me out, of course, at dominiedrew.com or on uh, Instagram or Twitter at dominiedrew. And that's D-O-M-I-N-E-Y. Um, 
a little bit of an unfamiliar name, so don't worry if you haven't heard before. <laughs> you have to ask again <laughs> or find some way to spell it. I don't even think Google would help you with that. So um, today I'd really like to talk about perfectionism, okay? Um, this was suggested me to, uh, to me to talk about by a friend of mine who um, was, was struggling with a particular situation, and it really made me think about how widespread um, perfectionism is and how really damaging it can be. Okay. So, um, so I thought that would be a good, a good topic for, um, for its, um, you know, for, for exploring. And it sounds like I may be a little bit quiet here. So I'm just going to raise up my volume a bit. How's that? You guys hear me? Okay. How is that? You guys let me know. Better thumbs up, thumbs down. This is the great thing about Facebook Live. Boy, people give you feedback right away. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. Okay. All right. So hopefully I'm a little bit better now. Does that still need to go up? I put it down because I connected in a different way and it's louder in my ears than I think it is in, the, in yours. So I want to make sure that you guys can hear me. Thank you guys for the feedback. Okay. So. Um, let's talk a little bit about perfectionism, okay? Um, so what actually is perfectionism, okay? Um, if you're familiar with my work at all, you know that I have a particular relationship with the word should, okay? Um, when you hear should in your head, it's a, it's, a, it's a voice from a young age that has been sort of taken into your, um, to your mental structure. All right. The reason that you know this is because um, if you say, for example, I, sh I really should do my taxes. OK, if you actually wanted to do your taxes, you would say, I'm going to do my taxes or, you know, I need to do my, you know, I'm, I'm going to. The, the, the words would communicate confidence and intention. OK. Now, um, the, the word should is a word that you have that has sort of been inundated into you. You've taken it on, but it's not actually your voice, okay? When you hear the word should, it's actually saying something along the lines like this. If you say, I should do my taxes, what you're really saying is, if I were a better person, I would do my taxes, okay? If I were better, if I were fitter, if I were, you know, if I were a better person, basically in some way, I really should work out. Okay, well, if you wanted to, you would own that and you would say, I'm going to work out. Okay, but if you're, um, if you don't really want to, okay, because if you wanted to, you would, let's be real. Okay, then something else is stopping you inside and should is a really, really great um, way of, of accessing that, that inner voice. Okay, so, um, so shoulding, okay, people should all over themselves. People should all over other people. Stop shooting all over everybody. Okay. It's not useful. Should is an utterly useless word. Okay. If you're hearing the word should, you're hearing somebody else's voice in your head. For me, it was my mother. Okay. And what I realized that my particular um, should was in my head was with a taxes example. If I were the person my mother wanted me to be, then, or what I thought she wanted me to be, then I would do my taxes. Okay. That was always what was sort of in my head behind that should. So I didn't actually want to do it. All right. Now, should in general um, is a really, really, really powerful thing. Okay. It's a really powerful block and it's a huge part of perfectionism, which is why I bring it up today. Okay. So perfectionism is kind of the biggest should of all. All right. Perfectionism is the idea that things should look be or feel a certain way okay there is no way to actually achieve it okay there's no way to win from this place because the the fact that there's a should there means that it doesn't look that this way and so you're arguing with reality okay god it's been two months since i've broken up i i shouldn't feel this way anymore okay well you do right the reality is that you do or you wouldn't be using the word should so you do still feel this way. So maybe there's a reason you don't understand. And instead of punishing yourself for that, through the should, right? 
is, you know, there, there are other ways to, to go about that. You can maybe let yourself feel it in a different way or seek help in some other way, but the should itself isn't useful. Okay. So within perfectionism, um, there's, there's this idea that things should look or be or feel a certain way. I um, shouldn't feel sad about that breakup anymore. Okay. So now not only do you still feel shitty about your breakup, but now you also are, are experiencing guilt. Okay. So now, so now you're unhappy about your breakup and you feel like a terrible person because you're still miserable after two months and you decided that that shouldn't be the case. You know, people, um, clients ask me a lot how things should be. Okay. Like, you know, on date three, should I, should I kiss her? Should I not kiss her? Um, on date, four, you know, all these sorts of rules. Okay. Now when she leans in, what should I do? <laughs> and my answer is always the same. There's no should. There are no rules. Okay. There is nothing that you need to strive to be. And there's no brownie points for getting there or not. Okay. That's just not the way the reality works. All right. So so, and, and while you're in that place, there's no way to win. This is very important. You have an idea in your head of how things should look. You punish yourself when they don't look that way or get angry at the world or, you know, whatever it is that your, your sort of response to that is. But either way, there's some sort of negative reaction because your expectations are not being met because they're not real. Okay, and we'll go into this a little bit more um, in just a bit. So. You know, and and it's a seductive thing, okay? It kind of looks like you're always about to achieve it, but you never actually do, okay? You're like, yeah, no, I'm, as soon as I, I go to the gym more and I, you know, get in a good relationship and, you know, I, I, you know, work off those pounds from the holiday or I get a better job or all the things that you think you need to achieve before you can be happy, okay? It's not, it's made up, okay? One of the, one of the ways that you, that you know this is because, you know, partially this is true because you don't actually know what it is you're trying to achieve. If you, you know, you have all these shoulds, oh, okay, well, when, when you re- meet, meet all your shoulds, what's it going to look like? Nobody knows. It's just this vague voice in your head that's telling you you're bad for not being something that you're not, Okay. You, it's been two months since your breakup. You're still feeling shitty about it. And then now your voice is telling you that you shouldn't feel shitty about it. You should feel fine. Well, what the hell are you supposed to do with that? That voice doesn't make you feel better, does it? It doesn't actually fix the problem. It just judges you for reality. See, you're starting to get a sense of how incredibly, um, the word I'm thinking of, um, it, it's just, it, it's meaningless. Okay. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of the word I was thinking of, but it's, it's, it's not meaningful. Okay. There, it's not real. So you've got this sort of vague idea that you probably can't actually um, define that you're always trying to achieve, but you never actually do. Can you see why this causes so many, so many problems? I mean, this will happen multiple times in an hour, you know, um, little things of guilt, little, little, little shoulds. Um, you know, little ways in which you're not perfect, okay? And years, years can be wasted in this place of trying to get to something that you don't even know what you're getting to, okay? Because you never accomplished it. So it's just, it's like perpetual um, setting, setting expectations and then not meeting them repeatedly over and over and over again, okay? We'll go into this a little more in, in, in detail as we go. So, so that's really quite important, okay? It looks like you're about to achieve something, but you're not actually going to. So how do you know if you're a perfectionist, okay? And this also may not be the way that you identify. The word perfection um, may not uh, feel right to you, okay? So here are things that tend to go with it. Overthinking, overanalysis, uh, often anxiety, okay? Um, if speaking with a, with a woman or speaking with someone you're attracted to tends to bring up nervousness or you freeze or you run away or you, you know, try and overcompensate or any of these sorts of little defenses, then you're repeatedly um, 
you're repeatedly filling in that that pattern. Okay. See, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, it's it shouldn't be this way. What should I do? I'm looking for I'm looking for what I should do. I'm panicking because I can't find what I should do because truly it doesn't doesn't really exist. Okay. So, oh, and let me just take a pause here and talk about the word perfect. The word perfect is utterly, and I and I I mean this as literally as I can, utterly meaningless. Okay. It literally does not exist. It is not a thing. It is a human concept <laughs> that we have decided, like, and, and humans are obsessed with it. We're, we're obsessed with imperfection. We, we like to say that we're imperfect a lot. Okay. Um, you know, people are very soft. If you, if you say, oh, you know, I've heard you've had a lot of success. You know, that's, that's really great. Congratulations. And they'll rush to say, well, I'm not perfect. You know, it's not perfect. Just to be clear. So why did you have to say that? First of all, what would perfect look like? You know, people like to say this about their relationship. Oh, the relationship's great. I mean, it's not perfect as if they're reassuring you in some way or, or you're going to dislike them or judge them for saying that it is. So then my question would be, what does a perfect relationship look like exactly? Can you draw it for me? Nope, nobody can. So again, we're sort of judging ourselves against the standard, which is not only utterly arbitrary, but meaningless created within our minds and it doesn't have any actual meaning you can't put you can't point to something that's perfect or imperfect because it doesn't mean anything does that make sense so um and that's so it's really important again this this invisible and unrealistic ideal which is fine this is different from having goals if you have an ideal that you want to reach and you can point to it and you can say i want to get there great go for it do it up Okay, but if you can't point to where, to what you're, you know, well, it's, it's definitely not perfect. Is that, does that mean? What does perfect mean? Okay, so there's this, all this sort of things that we just kind of buy. It's like, oh, I know what perfect means, and you know what perfect means, so we can continue our conversation. But really, you know, do you? You know, when you say that, my relationship isn't perfect. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm in the business of relationship. I don't know what that means, <laughs> right? So... Um, so let's go back to perfectionism. So how do you know that you're a perfectionist? Okay. How do you recognize it? So if you tend to want things to look a certain way and you end up really unhappy if they don't. Okay. This tends to be an extremely narrow, um, margin of, of, of error here. <laughs> okay. Um, there's only one way they can look that will make you happy. And of all the other infinites, literally infinite ways that that thing could look it's you know your chances are you're gonna not land on the you know the one that you think is right very often okay so if you often find yourself really you know wanting to wanting things to be a certain way wanting yourself to feel a certain way and you're perpetually disappointed when you don't that's a sign all right so as i said earlier anxiety tends to go along with um with being with perfection and shooting Okay, um, you're the overthinking, the overanalysis. What tends to happen um, is that you know when we have experiences as children, um, we have these sort of these these um, events which which form us. And when these events occur at a very young age, you know often um, preverbal. Okay, um, but even if it's postverbal, it's still you know as a very young child, you have these experiences and you um, part of you will will shut down. Okay, and I've explained this more in, um, in other episodes, so I won't go through the entire detail, the entire process in detail here. But, um, but what happens is we, we have an experience that gives us an oppression, and, and children will tend to generalize. Okay, so the example that I like to give is, um, you know, two parents are, are um, over, the, over a crib with a new baby, and they're loving a baby, and cooing, and making those little noises people make at babies. And baby's happy and loved and can feel that and everything's great. And then the phone rings. Okay. And dad goes to answer the phone and mom's there just cooing over baby and baby's happy and everything's fine. Then dad comes back into the room and says, honey, your sister's been in an accident. Mother goes <gasps> into fear and leaves the room to deal. Now, from the child's perspective, that could potentially have been a traumatic event. So even if you didn't have you know, abuse as a child or neglect or abandonment or anything like that, it's the, the, 
these moments happen with to children when they perceive their life as threatened, not when their life actually is. Okay. So in that situation, you know, babies are very, very finely tuned with their parents. The mother goes so quickly into fear, okay, that they then, um, that, that, and then men leave. And so the baby doesn't know that she's coming back. So that could potentially be one of those moments. And if it is, let's just say in the situation that it is, that baby might draw a conclusion, quote unquote, from what he's perceived about the world. Okay. That will be some sort of basic statement like, people leave me. Okay. Women can't be trusted. Men can't be trusted. I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. Things like that. So let's say that, you know, that that child decided at that moment that women can't be trusted. And the thing is with children is that they generalize their life experience. So, so they're, um, they had that one experience where they were quote unquote left by a woman. Okay. That, that strikes fear into their heart and they decide that moment, that's what women are like and they protect themselves accordingly, okay? And then this is this sort of quote-unquote decision is made deep in the subconscious, but what ends up happening is that you grow up with it because you don't realize you have it. So then 30, 40, 50, 60 years later, you know, you have trouble with trusting women, okay? And that's where that comes from. And so the reason why, you know, results can be gotten so quickly in this field that I tend to get these results so quickly is we go straight back and we find that decision. Okay. Why is it that you think you can't be trusted, right? First you find out kind of what you believe and then you look at, you know, how, how it got there. So, um, so, so, okay. Sorry. I remember where I was going with this. (laughs) So the defenses, so we, we create defenses. So let's say that person with trust puts walls. Okay. They put walls around themselves and they can't, they're unhappy because they're kind of isolated inside their walls, but they don't understand that they have walls. They just know that people leave them, women leave them, but the women are actually responding to the walls. Okay. So you will kind of end up proving yourself right in a lot of ways with this. So you'll say women can't be trusted. They leave me and um, you put up walls to protect yourself from the pain of being left. And then it makes people leave you more. Okay, it actually facilitates the thing that you're afraid of. So, so what what you end up doing is you distort your strength when you do that, when you create those defenses. Okay, so let's say walls. If you have good boundaries, then you will create walls. Walls, which mean they're unconscious, you can't take them up and down. Walls are a distortion of good boundaries. Okay, good boundaries is a quality. It's an excellent quality. Some people don't have it and they really need it. Okay? I had no boundaries growing up. I had to really find them and create them for myself. So what we do is we distort our strengths. So coming back to perfectionism, okay? The, the, the reason why um, anxiety and overthinking and overanalysis comes with perfectionism is because people who are perfectionists have a strong sense of, first of all, they'll have a strong sense of what's right and wrong for them, okay? A good inner knowledge. You know, inner awareness. Some people can't tell what's going on in their system. And they'll also be, tend to be very intelligent. Okay. Distortion of intelligence is overthinking and overanalysis. Okay. So you have this gift. You're very smart. It's wonderful. There's no problem there. Problem comes with when you need it to be things to be a certain way. Okay. And they're not. And then you're trying to fix it with your mind. Okay. You're trying to think your way out of it. But the problem is, and this, I was just, I just had a, a client today who was struggling with this. Um, the, you know, who approach a woman and then the overthinking kind of kicks in. He's an extremely intelligent man. Okay. And then what happens is he gets in this hamster wheel. Okay. He's going around and around and around in circles, trying to figure out what he should do and he should say, and he's totally disconnected from himself. Okay, his his gift is intelligence, and then he tries to figure out his problems. But his problems with women are not on the mental level; they can't be fixed by thinking. Okay, if they could, he wouldn't have called me because he's very smart, and he would have thought his way out of it. Okay, so I have people come in a lot, and they'd be like, "I just need to figure out X, Y, and Z." But figure out is a phrase that was that that refers to the mental level, the thoughts. Okay, um, a math problem is something you would figure out. 
okay? Because math is, is logical. So it, you know, thinking about math, you're thinking, right? If you're in front of a woman or you're in a relationship, you know, you're, you, you pick yourself there. You're not, you know, the thoughts aren't, aren't what's connects, connecting you to that woman, okay? <laughs> I was laughing because you, for most of my clients, they stand in front of a woman and they're just terrified. Just fear just <laughs> takes right over because it can be very intimidating, right? So, so, so the overthinking and overanalysis is the result of, of defending yourself. You're trying to protect yourself from this unexplainable issue with women. You're like, okay, I'm just going to think my way out of it. I'm sure I can figure this out because that's what you're used to doing. But the problem is that the, like my client earlier, that's not where the problem lies. Okay. If you, if it's a mental problem, you can think your way out of it. If it's an emotional or energetic or physical or spiritual, right, or psychological problem, you can't think your way out, okay, because it exists on a different level, okay? If you um, think about something, you think about Einstein, and all of a sudden you have, you have thoughts or that feel, you know, about Einstein, whatever, and that will all come up. But then if you have emotion, you know, experience fear, you feel how there's a difference in that. When you feel scared, there's a, there's a way in which you're in your body more. The emotions live in the body um, more than thoughts do. Okay, they have a slightly different substance, but that's a different topic. Okay, so anxiety, overthinking, overanalysis tends to come with that perfectionism. Okay, and um, I'll say something else also about anxiety here. Um, anxiety tends to be experienced by people who live in the future. Okay, um, they're always focused on what's going to happen, what might happen, what. You know, they're sure is going to happen, whatever, but they're out ahead of themselves. Okay. They're not in the present. And that's just, that's a defense. That's a way of avoiding the present, right? You think all the time about things that haven't happened yet. It's a great way of avoiding being here in the moment, which can sometimes be messy and painful and human. Okay. So anxiety tends to be found in people who, um, who spend, who, who focus an over, over amount where I was going with that, um, in the future. Now, depression tends to be experienced by people who are focused on the past. Okay? Same thing. Avoiding the present, just doing it a different way. Okay? Pretty much everything, every defense we have is just to avoid the pain of, of that moment. Okay? Including the hamster wheel. Right? Similar to anxiety, right? Hamster wheel... Um, is something that's very, that's, you know, in other words, very circular thoughts or trying to get yourself out of, you know, trying to work yourself through something, but really you're just kind of turning yourself in circles. Okay. So, um, you know, again, this can be when you're trying to think, think your way out of a problem, but really it's, it's, it's just overthinking. It's just circular and it doesn't go anywhere. And the thing is you get trapped in it. It's actually a wheel. This is actually a remarkable, um, analogy here um you're in this you're you're in this wheel and you really can't get out okay and it's very seductive to be there because you feel like you're fixing the problem remember how i said about about uh, perfectionism that it looks like you're about to achieve it you're like oh all i have to do is work out more you know i feel like i'm really close same thing you, if you're if you're a mental person then boy you will go around and around and around that wheel and think you know that you're solving the problem but years years you can go and never solve the problem but again it's not on that level it just doesn't exist there. okay so um so yeah overthinking over analysis all right i'm over analyzing over analysis so we're moving on okay so um another sign of um of being a perfectionist okay if you're disconnected from yourself all right if you don't feel centered you don't feel connected you may not feel anything you may just think a lot and not feel very much at all. This is actually remarkably calm. Okay. You may have different reasons for not feeling, but again, that's a, that's a whole topic in itself. Okay. So if you feel some disconnection from yourself, or if you, you know, maybe feel alone sometimes when you're in a crowd. Okay. That's a sign of disconnection from yourself. If you can't feel other people, including people that you know, that you love, notice the words there. I know in my head that I love this person, but I'm not feeling it that comes from being disconnected from yourself. Okay. And you also just won't feel centered at all. Okay. 
um, you might be always wondering if you've done the right thing or what the right thing is to do. What should I do? I'm in front of this woman, she's talking to me. What, what, what should I do? Not like, huh, I'm here in my body, I'm being talked to. This feels really good. You know what feels really natural? I'm just going to ask how, you know, or not. But, but you see how there's a difference there. It's, it's one is looking for an outside authority for instructions, an outside authority, which, by the way, does not exist. <laughs> okay so um you're looking for that authority and you're and you're just not finding it okay so you just kind of keep looking keep looking keep. all right so um if you're always wondering if you've done the right thing or what the right thing is to do that's you know a sign of some some perfection okay and generally unhappy all right you've, you've got issues you probably even know what they are because you're probably very intelligent but you just don't see any way out okay because of the hands wheel. And that's just the mind going a mile away. Okay. So, so what's the problem? So the problem with this is that you're held perpetually in a place of dissatisfaction. Okay. Perpetually disappointed and, and in a place of failure. Okay. Because anyway, look, again, you're trying to reach a, um, a goal, which is not really a goal. It cannot be reached. It is not a thing. This is not a thing, okay? And so you're, so you're always falling short. You're just in perpetually falling short, okay? Dissatisfaction, disappointment, and failure, no matter what you do, okay? So it can be a very, very painful place. You know, you're always reaching, you're always, oh, gosh, should I really should, really should, whatever, fill in blank, okay? So... Um, another way, what's the problem? You're always trying to reach something that can't, by definition, be reached, right? So we just said. So it deeply affects your self-esteem. This is a big one, okay? Perfectionism can lead to serious self-esteem issues because you're, again, perpetually failing. You're perpetually trying to reach this goal, which does not exist. You can't point to the perfect thing that you're trying to accomplish, right? It depends on the goal. Then, um, and so you, and so you're constantly thinking that you're you know, whatever, you're a piece of shit, you're, you know, what your parents think you are, you know, whatever it is, the however it looks in your head, you're perpetually in a state of dissatisfaction, disappointment, or failure, okay, so your self-esteem goes down, and, and the, the, the main problem with perfectionism in general is that the earth just doesn't work that way, okay, there just is no perfect state to be established or you could yeah, be reached or you could look at it the other way and say it's perfect exactly as it is and stop using that word <laughs> which is kind of my vote for it um but then especially in human relationships okay so you know just the simple examples we've looked at so far you know are enough that you know there's no way that you could even reach any kind of happiness and you know find that perfection that you're seeking but then you try on human relationships. It's like just, you know, having any expectation at all in human relationships just sets you up for failure, you know, which is not to say that you don't have desires. You have a desire and you communicate it and then you, you know you're received and you guys have a conversation and you either do it or you don't. But there is no perfection in any of that. Okay. Um, so it's really, it, it, it's a pillar. perfectionism is. Um, you know, within the, within the mental realm, it really just, it shuts things down so that um, there's no life force that can flow. Okay. There's a way that it should be and there's a way that it shouldn't be and it's black and white and we're done. Okay. There's no movement. There's no give and take. There's no relationship there. Okay. It's just the, you know, the, the hamster wheel and the trying to reach something that can't be reached. Okay, so you can see how damaging this is to human relationships. Really, really considerable. Um, either you're expecting perfection from the other person or you're expecting perfection from yourself. Okay, either way, it's not, it, it, it's, it's not useful. Okay, so if you're expecting perfection from the other, perpetual dissatisfaction, disappointment, and failure. But if you're expecting perfection from yourself, perpetual dissatisfaction, disappointment, and failure, <laughs> okay? It's an absolute lose-lose system. There's no, 
there's, there's no way to win within it. So how do you get out? Okay. So how do you get out of perfectionism? If you identify as the type of person who, um, you know, who strives for, for perfection. And again, this is different from high goals and high standards for yourself. This is a, about, you know, being perfect and having your shoulds and, um, and, and really comparing yourself all the time to something in your head that you haven't actually looked at. Okay. So how do you get out of this? Okay. Off the hamster wheel. So one of the best ways that I've found to get out of perfectionism is really to explore what it is that it means to you first. Okay. So as we said before, usually the idea of what you're even going for is vague, right? So the first thing is to clarify it, clarify it with pinpoint accuracy. Okay. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, bad because I, you know, I, I really sort of, you know, this example that I was going with before. Um, oh, you know, what should I do? Okay. So, so, so this client of mine who's got, who's in front of women and then suddenly was, uh, and, and had no idea this woman was talking to him and he had, it's kind of panicking. He had no idea what to say. And he goes, what, sh- what should I do? He's looking for an answer. So, okay, fair. First of all, where is that answer? But he, he's looking, so maybe he'll find it. And the second thing is, how, how do you know that's the right answer when you find it? Right? Like, okay, what, what, what should I do? Okay, well, first of all, that question indicates that there's something you should do, <laughs> which means there's something you should not do, which means there's some sort of point system to the universe, which is a tricky place to start because then, first of all, who's keeping points? <laughs> How do you win them and lose them? Where are the rules and what happens if you lose? Right? I mean, all these sorts of things, it's, it's from a statement like, what should I do? It seems so offhand and it may seem silly to analyze it quite this, this far. But really, if you look at it, that's what you're asking. What should I do? Well, first of all, my question is, what are you asking me for? How, what, 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 should, what does that mean? What does it mean? What, what should you do? What answer are you looking for? Okay, because it's probably not out in the world. So the first thing is to do is to, clar- to clarify. That's just a question. Question for yourself. Um, yeah, I, I really want to. I really want to. I really want to know exactly what to say when I talk to women. Oh, okay. Now that's not perfectionism anymore. Now that's a goal. What you just said. What I just said. And somebody else says. <laughs> so the so the perfectionism. Um, is, is that really deep? It, it's very vague. So, okay. So let me, let me speak more clearly. The way you get out of perfection, I, I say that the idea is vague to clarify and, and to clarify it. You, you can't actually. Okay. The exercise is to ask yourself what you mean. Okay. Because the idea of what is perfect is vague. It's not defined in your head. Okay. So the first thing is, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Well then, you know, if the voice says, you know, what should I do? Look at it. I would start with who are you asking since this voice is inside your head. And then what answer are you looking for and how will you know it's the right one? And you see what I mean? And it's, all it's doing is sort of pointing out that this doesn't really live on any kind of foundation. It's not really based on anything. Okay. And that allows you to find that. Okay. If you can't clarify what you're shooting toward, is that a thing? Shooting toward? Um, what you're, you know, where you're trying to get, then that tells you something, doesn't it? You know, how much longer do you want to keep trying to get somewhere that you, you don't know <laughs> where you're going? Okay. So, um, so, so, so getting out of it. All right. So, so definitely question it. Start there. Okay. Um, it creates a lot of argues, uh, excuse me, it creates a lot of arguments. Okay. Because you have an idea of, of, you know, within relationships of who that person is. And, and when you have an idea and expectation of who that person is, then you are constantly disappointed. Okay. They are, they are constantly disappointing you because you're expecting them to be someone that they're not. Okay. So you are completely and utterly set up for failure. All right. So then you're fighting all the time because, and you're, un, and you're unhappy in the relationship because they're, they are constantly disappointing you. Whereas really you're setting them up for that. Okay, by deciding ahead of time in your head what this should look like or who they should be. 
And so that's, that there's just no way to win. Okay. And then if you'll notice, if you have an expectation of who that person is, then when you see them, you're actually seeing that idea in your head. So that's why there's no connection with the person. You have no connection in that relationship because you're not in a relationship with that person. You are in a relationship with the person in your head who you think that person should be, the person you're actually in a relationship, who you think that should be, or, you know, who you want. But you're not looking at that person, so you're not actually in relationship with them. You're in relationship with, you know, an idea of what sure would be great, which means you're either not in the right relationship or you need to take your expectations down. No, let me rephrase. You definitely need to take your expectations down because if you leave that person because they're not what you want, but really you don't actually know because you've never seen what they are, you've always seen what you want them to be, then what you will do is you will go into another relationship and you will do the exact same goddamn thing. Without a doubt. You will not even hesitate. Okay? So that's what happens when these childhood you know, experiences get generalized out to... Um, to, to all of life experience, you grow up with them and then you prove yourself right over and over and over again. Okay? Like a grand hamster wheel. Okay? So, you know, I've said this before and I find this to be a very useful thing. People are always being 100% honest with you about who they are. Always. So, Guys will come to me a lot and say, you know, I can't understand if she's interested or not because she's, you know, she texts me and she seems excited and she says, you know, that I want to go out and I want to, you know, meet you for coffee or whatever, but she's always busy and it's been weeks and I'm, I haven't seen her and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't tell if she's interested or not. And I go, okay. So rather than, than sort of analyze that to that extreme extent, why not look at what's actually happening? Like, let's just check out reality for a minute. The reality, the cold hard facts of that situation are, she says she's interested, but she can't find time to sit down with you for coffee in two weeks. Two weeks. Now, every once in a while, there will be two weeks of your life where you really are so busy that you're unable to meet for coffee. However, the way that one will communicate that to someone, should they have interest, for example, if I'm the girl who's, who's, you know, doesn't have time in two weeks to, to meet up for coffee, but I'm genuinely interested in that guy, I will go, hey, I'm about to, you know, leave the country or start a project or do something which, which is going to keep me totally blocked for the next two weeks. But listen, I'm really interested in seeing you. How about, you know, the next Thursday? But it will feel solid in some way, as opposed to this, which is me saying, oh, yeah, no, I really, really want to go out. That sounds great. But I'm just ugh, it's crazy right now. And I just, you know, like, but I, but I definitely really want to. But I just I just can't right now. OK, see how there's a vagueness to that. So if, if there's a vagueness to it, <laughs> then the answer is she's not that interested. Spoiler alert. She's not that into you. Because the fact of the matter is that short of those times when you're actually out of country, in which case, again, you will get a solid answer for those two weeks, you will find time to do something you really, really, really want to do. Okay. You will move your life around. You've all had this experience. You find someone you're in love with. You know, you start falling in love. All of a sudden, all this time opens up in your schedule. You know, all of a sudden, you have so much time to hang out with that person. You're doing it all the time. Right? So... <laughs> So this is what, this is what happens. Okay. That's what love does. Okay. It, it opens you up and all you want to do is spend all your time with that person and, you know, et cetera. So if she were really interested, then she would find. So if you look at it from that perspective, she's being completely honest with you about who she is, who she is as someone who either, you know, is not that interested in you, even though she's kind of saying she's her, 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 her she is someone whose words do not match her actions, at least in this situation. So that's one thing you know about her. She is someone who is, even if she's you know, legitimately super busy for two weeks, she's the type of person who is so busy that she can't find time to go out with you. And, and she's someone who sort of strings along a little bit. Like those are sort of the objective facts. Strings along is maybe a little subjective. So let's say, fine. She's someone who, who doesn't text you unless you text her. 
Okay, look at the actual facts. So now we've got someone who doesn't text you unless you text her, who um, doesn't exude interest, isn't pursuing you, um, and doesn't have time or doesn't have time to meet within a two-week period. So is that someone that you want to date? Okay. Look at it from that perspective. Is that someone that you want to be in a relationship with who doesn't want to you know, meet you? <laughs> who isn't pursuing you? Who isn't you know, keen to make this work? So adjust that. Okay. So, um, so when, so, so looking at, at reality really helps. Okay. And that's sort of, I guess, a side tangent, sorry for perfectionism, but it's actually the same thing because what we're doing is we're responding to an image. It's like, oh, well, you know, I haven't seen her at a client say, okay, met a Tinder date, you know, twice in two months and he was still pursuing her. And I went, she couldn't meet you more than twice in two months. No, no. She just always says that she's busy, but she says she's really interested. Okay. But what is she showing you? Not interest. Two times in two months is not what I would call interest personally. So rather than letting, letting yourself be constantly disappointed by that woman, take it for what it is. All right. Look at the reality. What are you actually facing? Okay. What you're facing is someone who can't meet you more than twice in two months. Is that the person you want to date? If so, great. You've met her. <laughs> Put a ring on it. <laughs> but if you want someone who's pursuing you, who is matching your interest, then you need to look elsewhere. Okay, because she's not being that person. Don't try and change. Don't try and change them. Okay, all the changing happens on your end. So, um, so with the so with the perfectionism, you know, you're you're in a relationship or you're attracted to people and you have this image of how they are and they continually disappoint you. You need to adjust your expectations. Okay, you need to. You're 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 creating something that you feel should happen and then you're being crushed when it doesn't over and over and over again. So instead, start to recognize the pattern. Okay. Look for that. You're always trying to reach something that quite can't quite be reached or you're always judging yourself or you're always, you know, your self-esteem is a little, you know, rough these days. If you're always in a, you know, a state sort of like dissatisfaction, disappointment, failure, again, in the other, or in you, either one, okay? So the, the answer to all of this is you need to let go of how it should look. That is the secret to so many things. I can't even express it to you, okay? So many things get, um, get lost. You know, so many things are... Um, are, are locked or blocked or in pain or distorted and, and it can all be undone by this one thing. Let it go. Let go of how it should look. Okay? You don't know how it should look. We don't have access to that information as humans. <laughs> okay? You may know what you want, which is great. And you may know, um, you know what you like and what you don't like, which is great. But none of those are the same thing. As how it should look. If you have a, if you're walking around in life and you have an image of how life should be, how you should feel, how things should look. Perpetual disappointment, dissatisfaction, and failure to reach a goal which we usually can't define. Okay. So there's a huge, huge, huge letting go piece here huge letting go piece. And again, this solves, I mean, so many problems, I, I can't even count them all. Because a lot of us do this even on some level, even if you don't really identify as a perfectionist, it's still something that we all do. We have these shoulds, okay? Stop shooting all over yourself. Stop it. Stop shooting all over other people. Don't shoot on your friends. <laughs> don't shoot on strangers. Don't shoot on your family. And don't shoot on yourself, okay? That's the most important one because from there, you stop shooting on yourself. I am saying should still, just to be clear. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you stop, you know, shooting yourself, then your expectations of others tend to relax a bit. Okay. And when those perfection, 
perfectionized standards. They may look like standards in your head, but they're not. Standards are, um, you know, things that you look for in, in people's behavior, people that you want to be around in your own, you know, I, I have higher standards than myself. That's different. Okay. If you're locked up in this sort of rigid, you know, perfectionist, this, you know, what should I do? If you're asking, what should I do? Okay. Then you're automatically seeking outside of yourself. Okay. An answer that can literally only be answered from within. That's just the way it is. Okay. So, so really letting go, you know, um, become aware, you know, write it down when you hear yourself do it, let it, you know, do little exercises that help it become more conscious, recognize it more when it happens. And then once it's conscious, it's a lot easier to let go. Okay. So if you hear those shoulds, you know, write them down or say them out loud. And it just makes it a little bit more real, bringing that sort of vagueness, that amorphous um, ideal picture of what is perfect Mm -hmm. and just really bringing it down. Okay into reality, into real life, okay? So I hope that helps. Um, there's a lot to perfectionism and um, hopefully that sort of, you know, laid out the problem and some solutions in a, in a, in a doable way. Um, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out. Um, you can reach out to the website, dominiedrew.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at dominiedrew and uh, excuse me, on Twitter and on Facebook at Dominique Drew Coaching. So I look forward to our next episode. Thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next week. Take care. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Dominique Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.